You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. And we're live. This is The Human Condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Steve. I'm Sean. How's it going, Sean? It's How's going, going pretty Steve? good. I'm wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah Sean, Sean, Sean came in with some... Uh, some experience in, in in jokerism that we don't have i'm i'm envious yeah yeah i saw the uh saw the movie today it's a great movie and uh i ain't gonna put no spoilers out there or anything a guy at work said that joaquin should probably get a academy award for it slash probably the best male performance he's seen ever now I'm a movie buff, and I've seen a lot of movies going all the way back to, like, the 40s. I wouldn't go as far to say that it's the best male performance I've ever seen, but it probably ranks in the top five in, like, the last top 15 years, and he definitely deserves an Academy Award for that role. I've always loved that, dude. Always. I, so I'm excited to see it. That That's our little mini plug for a movie that doesn't need our plug. Yeah. But uh, but I I'm, I might go see it right after this. It's it's one that I'm excited for. I hear it's a nice it's, – it's not a comic book film, but it's a play on mental illness yeah. at its core. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I think there's an important message. How does he compare to Heath Ledger? Darker. Not the same, though, right? Not the same. More real darker or more, more real, fantastic more real, darker? More real dark. Like Sounds really interesting. i got to see this now. If you have, like, I don't, it, it, if you have a substance abuse issue or any kind of mental illness PTSD. in the past, I hear people are walking you're home. going to relate to this a lot. In a and deep, like, visceral it, way. Yeah, That's what I and hear. like it brought up like a lot of like I'm watching this on the matinee at like 10 a.m. There's only like four people in the theater, and as I'm watching it, like it brought me back to like when I was like 2021, 20, and these experiences that he was experiencing, like I could completely relate, and I could relate to the mental illness, right? And so, like, is this some? fucked up shit man and then like when i got out of the theater you know i went and told my dad because he you know he had doesn't get to the movie theater very often anymore with the the copd and the emphysema and stuff but he was he taught me like everything i know about movies and uh he was like "Ooh, you got to a matinee during the week and it was a good one you know and (laughs) Score. And then, like, I was telling him about the movie, and uh, you know, it's very political. It's a it's a political statement movie, right? Right. That's and what it, I hear. And it's very loud. The statement is very loud. That's um. So that's a must see. Must see. Yeah, yeah must-see. That, that's a must see. I've I've known it was going to be a must see. Joaquin's amazing. I tried to get him in Life Goes I On. Love, actually, I love uh, Batman. I him. And obviously, but I love they, Joker. They entertained so. it. Um. All right. Well. We're uh, the subject today is interdependence. <clears throat> interdependence is the core of interdependence is the recognition in the dependent self. So you, as a dependent human being, recognize that yes, I'm capable of survival, 
without anybody else for the most part, right? I, I can go about my daily business and uh, fluctuate in and out of relationships pretty much self-sufficiently. But I recognize that there's a benefit in others, that there's things that I can't accomplish on my own that I can through strong, long-lasting relationships with other people. It's extremely important, and the universe at large – well, I can't say the universe because I only know this planet, but the planet at large lacks these types of relationships – for the most part, we're a codependent, egocentric society, right? So I, I was taught in uh, PTSD therapy, there's three ways you can be as a human being. You can be selfish, egocentric. You can be self-full, which is interdependent, independent, you know, self-full, you, you take care of yourself. And then you can be selfless, which would fall into the realm of codependence. There, you know, there has to be some semblance of self as a human being, right? So – you cannot have true interdependence. You can't have these types of relationships without first being a dependent human being. The mistake people make in relationships, and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, although this typically gets pushed into that category. I'm talking about business relationships, friendships between a parent and a child, teacher, student, all these relationships. We should always strive for interdependence. The problem is Predominantly, people are looking for this other person to fill a void that's in them. So we get caught in these these cyclical um, traps of codependence to where I play a role, you play a role. Because we play these roles, we we spin in this circle until eventually the, the relationship fizzles out. Then we move on to the next one, wonder why it's happening again. That's the cycle that – most people find themselves in. It's hard to speak about this in a romantic relationship because to say, well, yeah, yeah, I love you. And that even the way I said it is kind of, you know, put, but I, I love you. If we were to break up, I'm going to live. You'll live. I'll go through a period of grief, but I'm going to be okay. People don't want to hear that. I do. I prefer to hear that in all relationships. No, I'll be okay without you. I don't want this to end. But only only a, a truly independent person can say that because if you're dependent, you're always looking for angles to try to keep keep whatever relationships you can centered around you to to serve your own selfish desire. That sounds like detached appreciation. <clears throat> detached appreciation is being fully independent. Detached – is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like – you know, like, I love you and everything, but, like, I will survive if, you know. I appreciate us in this moment. Right. I appreciate what we have. If there ever comes a point to where I feel like we're not growing together anymore, we're going to grow apart. And that's just the natural flow of life. If I'm in the natural flow of life, we'll, we'll just grow apart naturally. I don't have to force anything. I, I'll be okay. I know you'll be okay. It might not feel good. We'll navigate our way through that. You know, it's even with death. And I, I take this back for me. This is something that I, I always have to go back to my children. And I hate using the example of bad things happening to my kids because I don't want to put that into the universe. But if I think about the worst possible pain I can be subject to, it's that. That something bad happens there. And for whatever reason, one or both of my children are out of my life. 
that's suffering that's unimaginable to me. But I, if I if I truly want to walk the spiritual path, not just talk it, I have to look at okay. If the worst was to happen, would I be okay? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I'll navigate my way through it, not in a cold way, and I'd definitely be devastated to my core. But but I would want the same for them too, you know. And I, I think I try. I I don't think I know. I try to. I do instill it. No, I try because I can't say for sure what's actually going through their heads and how they're internalizing the lessons that I try to give them. But I would hope the same too. And that's true unconditional love. If I'm gone out of this relationship for whatever given reason, I want you to thrive in whatever relationships you acquire beyond me, whether it's death or whether it's just we grew apart. I, I want you to to thrive. I truly want that in people. There's some people in business that I, I can't stand. I can't be around those people, people that were friends previous. I wish the best for them. I want them to be successful. Some of them aren't. It's not my fault. I can't get involved in that. But I truly hope that people see beyond, you know, whatever fractured our relationship and they move into new relationships and they can be okay. If you're a fraction of a person, you won't be. What you'll get are lessons or you'll get cycles that repeat themselves continuously. And you'll always wonder why until you get to the point where you got to evaluate yourself as, as, well, do I truly love myself? Do I truly like myself? Can I stand to be around myself? Am I seeking somebody to fill voids? Like all these questions are hard questions that, number one, ask, but then to answer them is even more difficult, you know? I got to say, you said uh, that's sort of a spiritual way of thinking. You said if you want to do the spiritual thing, you would have to look at it like this. And what you described after that to me just came of, across as the rational way to look at, th- at things. I didn't see a spiritual benefit out of it. I saw a rational benefit because it, if you do that, you, uh, you have value from both people and you, you get what you want. Well, it's not about getting what you want. It's that you exist interdependent of each other but you both provide value to each other as individuals. So there is a deeply <clears throat> spiritual component and there is a, there's a, um, you are at risk of, be, you, you can become nihilistic in that viewpoint and that you can use it to just get what you want, but that's selfish. That's being selfish. That's different. So what I'm talking about is non-attachment and that's a deeply spiritual concept from Buddhism and, and other spiritual traditions. But what it means is I'm independent. I recognize my independence. I also recognize that you can provide value to my existence. I'm not attached to the outcome of our relationship. So if it's romantic, if we break up, that's it's just what it is. Non-attachment means – I'll use my kids again as an example. If something bad were to happen to my kids, who am I to say that that shouldn't have happened, right? If I embrace impermanence – which I try my best to embrace in permanence. The universe is ever changing, especially the realm of phenomena, which is the realm that we exist in. It's always changing, always going to change. Now I can get selfish about my desires and that I want my kids to live forever. I want them to thrive. I want them to take every lesson, lesson I give them and I want them to be the best. That's not what life is. The people get sick. People get cancer. Now, if I'm attached to the idea that somebody I love should not get cancer, 
I'm not going to be very useful to them when they're at their worst, right? Because I'm going to suffer as a result of something that I'm attached to the idea that I don't think they should have. So it really is a deeply spiritual concept. You're at danger. You're in danger of of veering onto the side of of the nihilistic viewpoint, which would be more selfish. I can use you to get what I want. You know that's that's different. That's completely different. <clears throat> what would be the difference between, say, you and I are rock climbers, mm-hmm. and we go to climb rocks together? That's what we do. We get in a car, we go to together. But when we're on the rock face. You're not doing anything for me. I'm not doing anything for you. But we have a common goal. We will, we both want to get to the top of this mountain, right? Is it a goal or a bond? That's that's sort of what I was getting at. There's a shared goal between us. The goal, but we can't help one another. Yeah, but there's going to be an energetic. If I have the same goal as you, that's going to automatically create a bond. You know, if we're both rock climbers and we go in the car together and everything's cool and we're friends and all that, like the bond is there. And although we can't help each other, I still want you to get to the top of that mountain. And, and I'm going to – And that's like, sort of the point I'm making like, is, is I'm the push bond you interpersonal? I, oh, of course. The bond is really where it's at. The goal is just the goal. Now, you can't be attached to the outcome of that goal because – there's going to be those times well, where you don't make it to the Well, if you're rock climbing, top. you really need to be attached to the goal to getting to the top. But I'll tell you. <laughs> but you may not. I'll tell There's, you if you get into some trouble, though, like I'm going to be able to help. Like I'll help you call that codependence or whatever. But like. Well, that's not codependence. I'm, throw, I'm throwing somebody? the rope down and be like, dude, you still getting to the top of this mountain. Right. Yeah. Mm. You know. You're there for each other. You're there right. for each other. You don't need each other to accomplish the goal. You may need one of you may need the other if one of you starts to fall, and that's that's relationships in life. So if I'm if I'm in a truly interdependent relationship with my business partner, with my girlfriend, with my kids, I I don't view their failures, and I I would hope you know, and I can't say that they're truly independent, but if I'm if if I view myself as an independent person. I I have to view their falls in the the way that you just said it as opportunities for growth rather than you're holding me back. You know, kids are a perfect example. Parents are so quick to lash out at their kids for okay, you failed in school. And they get angry. And that's where it stops at the anger. Well, you're just not supposed to do that. There's no lesson there. You well, can, the lesson is if if you do good in school, I won't be angry at you. That's the and only that lesson. negative reinforcement. And, and, and I think we've all had that. Yeah. Right. And that's not – that doesn't do that, – that, there's no value there. Now, if you say, ah, got, got enough in school, and this is me contemplating as a parent, how can I use this opportunity as a, as a way to enhance growth? There's – we got to start a conversation, right? Well, what is wrong? There's a, well, there's a genuine, yeah. There's a genuine love it? there. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, a, a more so of a, it's more of a curious state of existence when you're when you're in interdependence. We're so here's the thing: everything in the realm of phenomena only exists in relationship to everything else. Everything at the the core of the subatomic particle, it only exists in relationship to the subatomic particle next to it whose electron it bounces off of, then something happens, cause and effect. Everything exists in relationship to one another. The strength of those relationships is based on 
the in subatomic particles, you know, they they have their own thing right going on. They're not humans. We're complex systems. We're complex <clears throat> subatomic systems. But that'd be really fucked up if they did have their little lives. Subatomic systems. <laughs> I mean, but that's what we are. Truly, I know. I know. I just I don't think about that when I'm like. In my relationships See, I, and my friendships, I got and, problems. I do. You know, I, I don't. I, like, I have as well. It's. I know, get really confused though. So, you're probably doing it right. I wouldn't. I. I don't know. Like the thing is, for me, I. Uh, I wouldn't. I really enjoy my own company. Number one. Like, and that took a long time to get there that is but not like, easy to do took most I, of my life yeah it, yeah it but i really do enjoy my own company so like when it comes to like relationships or friendships like like i can go do my own thing <clears throat> and be perfectly fine and uh you know that's just it's just the way it's almost more simplistic you know when it comes to friendships and relationships and all that stuff I always try to help the other person be better, see more, change the perspective, enhance the journey that they're experiencing on the planet by however that is. I don't look at it as codependency. You know, um, it's like sponsorship in 12-step recovery. That's not though. It, it's only if it's fill, if it's filling a void in you selfishly, then it becomes codependent. Right. The void is like I could say that this is part of my life's purpose. Purpose is different. Purpose is different. Yeah. But I don't. It doesn't fill like something. It's kind of like something that I'm good at. You know, it's like I'm, I'm yeah. good at doing like the human. Like here you go. And like lifting someone up to seeing that where they're at, like you can like go up and over whatever obstacles in front of you, no matter what. See, and that's so if, and I, there's another example I use. If, if I see a child in a street and the, uh, and it's the the child's about to be hit by a vehicle, more than likely, I'm going to jump out there. I'm going to say – I'll put my own life at risk to save that child. Now, the question – and this is kind of a thought experiment. You need to ask yourself in the, this thought experiment is, am I jumping out to save this child? Because I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do that. I would feel so guilty and shameful if I didn't do that. Or is it that I truly want this child to, to be safe and at, at the expense <clears throat> of my own safety? So there's a difference there, and it, it, it it's – worth exploring in oneself and these are the types of questions i ask me in all relationships am i helping you because i I just it feels good to to see you excel or am i helping you because because i have some issues with people abandoning abandoning me and i'm afraid that you might leave i have to please everybody because you might leave me you know what i mean that's how deep that's how deep i take it see i take it to the point where like I truly believe that, like, I want everyone to pay it forward. That's a that, spiritual that, way of being. That whole yeah. concept, like, well, that's that's the selflessness. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Whatever well, I show well, you, well, self, self full. Yeah, self full. Because it, it's not completely. It's it's reciprocal. So, 
You because when you I know how it is when you provide service, it, it boosts your spirituality. It takes you up a notch by doing it. It's not. It's no longer for my own frequency or my vibration to be raised. I do it. Well, that's not the intent. The, right. But it does it. It does it probably by default. By default. Bit. Yeah, default. A little bit. Yeah, but you know? it's not the intent. And that's but important. But it's like if, you know, by helping you change your frequency <clears throat> and your vibration, like I'm almost like putting it on the universe that you're going to go do that for someone else. Hope, yeah, that's the that, right. So the intent is pure, right? And that, that's the difference. And that, and that, the people you show do it, and then it go moves on, and then that's. I mean, that's how you create a movement, and that's how you really change the fucking world. I'm being the change. I'm doing right. my part in the universe to be a light. I was in a. Uh, it, it was it was life on fire with Glenn. This is all about goals and and how you set your life on fire basically um before we move on i just want to plug the twitter for anybody who wants to chime in on this because i know um people have thoughts uh you can join our new twitter it's uh hc podcast 313 throw questions steve will be monitoring and we'll take them and you can also hit us up on our facebook page where you're watching this and i'll catch you there too Set your world on fire. So yeah, so life, <laughs> life, life on fire, and it came back to what is my goal, and I, I can't think of I can't think of another goal other than to be a light. I would like to embody Christ consciousness before I leave the earth plane. Truly embody it to know what that feels like to walk in that space of complete purity because I'm still <clears throat> bogged down by my ego. Right, I still have to fight every day to. Now I don't want to say it's such a fight anymore, but I have to find ways to. To have my higher self, which I feel is the absolute truth, the things that I'm in touch with there, I have to find ways for it to work in tandem with my egoic self. I, it, and that's the trick to navigating this life would, for would me. Would you let go of everything to get it? That's the thing. Is the ego? Would you give up the job? Would you give up all your responsibilities and you sit on a park bench? Not yet. Until you got it. Not yet. And I don't know that you have to, though. That, see, that's the thing. No, you definitely I, do not have I don't to. know that you have to grow the, the, <clears throat> the long beard, move to the mountains. and I don't know that you have to. I, that, that's the thing I'm talking about is there's a – in your independence and your strive, every goal of every relationship should be interdependence. It should be. Win-win. How do we find a win-win? We, we, can, we can be of service to each other without being selfish. Right, we can't. It, it it is possible. I know it seems like a. Well, it depends it, on what outcome well, you're going for. Well, interdependence. If if the, if win win, it, it compromise it, is no longer a problem. If well, you're if it gets the, both of us in the same place, then inter interdependence interdependence is what we want. But if it's one, you got to do one thing. I got to do another to hit our goals. I mean, that's you're that's the only married selfish, man right? here. You're the only married man here. Am I? Is, is your marriage? Interdependent. <clears throat> when you think of your wife and the relationship and how well, it started, you can't ask him that live. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to go home. Honey. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to put you on the no, spot. No, it's more. It's more of an interdependent thing as you're describing it because we have a common goal, right? We set common goals. We don't lose ourselves in one another. We don't really base our happiness on one another. That's it's more of a, in yeah, a relationship. That's a big one. Usually, right you know, we're both old. We've both been in a lot of relationships. We both tanked a lot of relationships, and we knew better. And 
of course, we slide back into the old ways. That's the ego, and we all do. It's it's impossible not to. You know, that's like it seems to be the default way for a Western civilization, a United States person to live, is to be egoistic and all about me. I well, mean, it's it's advertised to me twenty four hours a day that I'm the most important person, not you. Well, and this goes back to duality, which we've discussed at length. But the fact that we come into this universe reliant on our caregivers. We're, For we're, years. We're so how could we not be egocentric? It's, it's almost like a twisted joke. Yeah, you it, are the it, most in the human condition, right? Is yeah. you, you are you have to your whole entire function is survival. How can I get? How can I fulfill my needs? How can I fulfill my needs? And then through relationships with other people, through trauma, through peak experiences, that egocentrism hopefully starts to unravel. Right? Even things like addiction. You know, traumas like that can rock you to your core to the point to where you really have to evaluate yourself. Then you start to look at these things and be like, ah, I was living wrong because of this, 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 and this. It's extremely, it, it's, it is, it's the paradox. It's the human paradox as you come into this, the earth plane as an egocentric being, but Still, somehow you kind of know there's another truth, right? You, you kind of know that through pe- when you when you feel unconditional love for your child for the first time, or you get in that relationship and you feel love for that person for the first time, or you lose somebody close to you and you know what it's like to feel that type of loss. You get these you get these emotions that are not really taught for us to in in this society which you're talking about. It's not really embraced that we should feel these things. We we brush them off. I think there is a culture aspect to those feelings. Uh, For example, just to go off of that, you know, when somebody dies in this small Asian country that I'm thinking of that I don't remember the name of, they have celebrations. They do not get unhappy about it. They do not grieve. They celebrate the person's life. Here, we lose somebody close to us. It could be years that we grieve and and go through PTSD even. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is a culture aspect to to that. And what – what if you were born, you're put on an island, and you were taken care of by somebody that you never saw? What would happen to you then? What would that baby be like? That's always interested me. Would they have the same relationships as we have, the same relationship goals that we have? Well, they couldn't, right? And, and that, that is what's sociologically, it's a completely different environment. And But you know what's interesting too is depending on how nurturing that person is, are you saying it's just two of them on the island? Sure. Let's. But the baby never sees the person, never interacts with them. Just baby gets taken care of. <laughs> that baby will die if the baby's not. And that that was it during World War Two. There were um, there was a, a study done. Oh God, the Nazis. Well, no. So obviously there was a lot of orphans. Right, kids were displaced during World War Two over in Europe. So they did a study and. They they found out that that kids that they were well tended to right they were fed three meals a day whatever whatever else it takes you know back then whatever you thought it took to to make they, they were given survival that's it mm-hmm. they weren't nurtured they weren't held those kids died they died now the kids that were nurtured that were held for at least an hour a day nurtured by the the, the caretakers whoever they were didn't even have to be close to them but just held them. We need human contact. And that's, again, that's where interdependence comes in. And that's why it's it's careful to not be codependent because 
that's that's a, a it's a distorted need. It's a selfish need. Where in interdependence, you I, I can look at you and say, you have true value. It's an unconditional love. You have true value in this universe. Maybe we can we can work together towards a common goal. Maybe we can't. But you recognize every the door. I mean, and I was talking about that when it comes to subatomic particles and being in relationship. That door has true value. It, it allows us to shut this, have this conversation. If we look at anything, there's there's value to it. There's value to there's value to everything. Then right, and and that's that's where inter- so I don't think you start to recognize the true value in everything that surrounds you until you're fully okay with yourself. But you could say that there's value in every experience that you have in every human contact. One hundred percent. Even the, what we would call a bad relationship, if you <clears throat> learn from it, there's well, value. Well, yeah. I mean I've learned from a lot of bad relationships. I guess even if you didn't, there's value for somebody. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Maybe not for you at the time, but there's value there. So. Well, I learned like what I don't want for the next one. Right. Right. You right. know, and even in friendships too. Friendships. Because there's like you there's a lot of users. And when we were all drinking and using a lot of people based their friendships on what they could get out of this whatever. friendship. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. the party, the girl, yeah, the, you like know, whatever. Your your friends that were super wealthy, you know, it was like, hmm, you know, they always got a bag of weed and you know, they always got the drink. And like, that's my boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. You know, yeah. when yeah. I was on the other side of the street, like not really strapped with that much cash, you know. That's how a lot of friendships and bonds were perceived or made or whatever. As I got older, I allowed the universe to just kind of do what it do. Right. You know, um, it's it's interesting. I've learned not to expect anything. Oh, that's a big part of Buddhism right there. Expectations. Yeah. You know, like I really – like I place no expectation on any form of brotherhood or relationship. Um, and so I just like am this being that's enjoying the journey. That's the strongest type of relationship you can have when you just <clears throat> allow space for – and we're talking about humans, right? Allow space for the human to grow. That's it. And you know what? If you're doing things that that are just – they don't work for me. Well, I still want you to grow, but just grow over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I, honestly, right. and, but with love, not get the fuck out of here. Just, <laughs> or sometimes you got to say that. But, you know, they, it's it's all done with love. It, and it, there's curiosity to it. When when I've when I've walked out of bad relationships or been able to weasel my way out of them, I, I, I genu- genuinely had curiosity. I remember in the past I would want people to fail because I would feel infringed upon. I would allow myself to play victim. Yeah, if your and heart's I would broken, the, the first – That's the gut response, right? right? Why should this happen to me? Well, well like, like you know, we, we wish them bad relationships to come. Oh, you'll see. Yeah. You you'll know? see. Wait like, you I'm, get the... I'm over here bleeding, yeah. you know, with a broken heart and like, you know, but in all reality, like – 
I mean, I've learned a lot from each broken heart. I, I've, I, and I've learned from each person that has moved on. <clears throat> you know, my best friend in high school uh, passed away, like, when I was real, like, I was 21. And it was the first major, like, there had been some family members that passed away, some great aunts and stuff, and uncles that just, they got old and, you know, but he passed away and uh, I don't know, I really, like, the grieving, it didn't, I don't grieve much, and especially, like, in, like, the last nine years with, you know, substance abuse and, you know, fentanyl and everything. There's been a lot of people that have OD'd real close to me and, and moved on. I look at us that it was a a pleasure to know you. For this time. Uh, uh, for this we, time. We had this time. That we had this time in our journey and that our spiritual contracts with the universe were able to mesh for how little time or how long a time that I take that. And that's the only real thing I can take with me when I leave the planet is all the bonds that I've made. I can't take no material, but I can take all my relationships and all the love and all the memories. And I take that with me. You said spiritual contract. Yeah. What is that? Spiritual contract depends. That's on, a very interesting. On what, yeah, it depends on what you believe. Yeah, it's a it's a belief. So, before we get to the planet, I believe that a lot of souls <clears throat> meet up and like come up with certain spiritual contracts to meet at this time on this planet to get the lessons that they need. Yeah, or to help the, the experience and the journey move forward in whatever that may be. And, uh, you know, like you ever have like a, a friend that you swear could have been your brother in a previous life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, in, in my, in my world or my, my belief system, like I'm pretty much sure that before we got to this planet, like, <clears throat> Dude, figure that out. If ahead we got to go to fucking Earth, like I want to run into you there, and I want to hang out for a while, and I, you know, like I want you to be. Maybe I'm not in my. Maybe you won't end up in my own family tree, but you're still going to be in my family tree. That's really close to the premise of Lost. If you remember that show, I never yeah. saw it. Yeah, I but I didn't see the much beginning of it. and the end. It was the same thing. Those people in the church. When they die, you know, they collectively come back. They might be reincarnated, yeah. but their souls stay together. So they stay group. in clusters. So clusters. Yeah. So your soul never, your soul never dies. Your spirit, like once it's created, like, you, like <clears throat> you'll take another form after this life, you know. But like, it's you like an old soul. Like if you ever run into like an old soul, like you can just tell that they've They're lived many, many behind their yeah. beyond their years. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it happens occasionally, and it, I believe in the concepts <clears throat> that you're saying. And 
you know, the, the fear of speaking about these types of things is people can easily push this off as woo woo. But there's even a there's even a, uh, a, a scientific um, perspective to this, and that's we we anybody who's a physicist or, or a scientist, you you all know the first law of thermodynamics: energy can neither be created nor destroyed. What are we? We're we're this this amalgamation of energy. What is consciousness? Well, we know it's energy. How do we know it? It can be measured. We don't know where it comes from, but it can be measured. So how could you not, right? And so maybe maybe the maybe the soul agreements aren't aren't in the language that that we know as humans, and and you know, but, but there's something called quantum entanglement, and you're familiar with quantum entanglement. So once once uh, atoms, once subatomic particles bond, they can never be they can never be not one so they they can be separated physically so once they bonded they can be separate and they've tested this in labs they can be separated physically but when you stimulate this one 7 miles down in the lab down down the road this proton or electron stimulate this down the road and this other one 7 miles away they respond exactly the same even though this one's the only one that's being stimulated so they know this to be true quantum entanglement is true and if you go back to the big bang whether you're thinking the Big Bang is God said, let there be light, or this singularity of of this dense energy mass that cosmic just, boom, boom. <laughs> how could how could everything not be quantumly entangled? It has to be. Even if you're a scientist, even if you're a scientist, you it has to be. It has to be. So to me, that's beautiful. I, I look at when I read Hawking, who's who's not a spiritual man, but when I read when I read that. I see the spirituality, the spiritual undertones in that. My interest in quantum physics, quantum physics is what guided me into spirituality because it just made sense. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, that that makes sense to me from an energy level. And and I and I do, I I I think I do both sides of my brain, they communicate pretty well. Right? So I can go logic and I can fall into the art and they fluctuate back and forth. And I see the, the. I don't think there's any separation at all. Einstein would talk about you know the theory. Well, the theory of relativity. What does that say at its core? Everything is relative to the vantage point of the observer. Time, you know, who somewhat are you moves in a, a linear straight arrow. Fat. Well, no, it's only relative to the vantage point of the observer. And then quantum physics took it a step further and said, well, everything's based on observation. I just want to mention that uh, TJ Searcher hit us up on Facebook and mentioned that the Russian experiment is what you were talking about with uh, the early neglect. And it actually, yeah, yeah. Yep. It yeah, actually yeah. alters yeah. kids' brains. Yeah. Yep. It's not a psychology thing. It's actually a physical thing. So yeah. they're physiologically right. They start rocking themselves to sleep and shit. Yeah, well, you know, you or know, just don't, yeah, don't live. Uh, yeah, apparently. they start shaking and then become malnourished, and then. Well, my my experience with PTSD, and I thank you for that book because that book was I couldn't put it down. The body keeps the score. I learned so much about because I can go back inside. I can look at my through therapy. I can stand outside of myself and I can look at myself objectively, almost almost like I'm studying a I school think I subject. Asked you, did you ever do EMDR? I did. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you I, think of that? I liked CPT worked for me, cognitive processing therapy. Okay. Because it's more cerebral. 
And so for me, that was that was better. I, th- I think I was at a point to where I could grasp these concepts. <clears throat> so, but uh, but yeah, thank you, TJ, for your comment. By the way, um, yeah, I, I, EMDR is great. You know, but all it's doing is opening up new neural pathways, right? That that so it's 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 trying to manipulate the brain through this eye movement into into reopening neural pathways that have been blocked through trauma. Me, I'll take the risk. You know, I'll put myself in situations and sometimes I fall flat on my face, but I will put myself in situations to where I can fail and I know I can fail and I know I'm being triggered and I feel these things, but fuck it, I'm going to do it because I'm not going to live in a prison. <clears throat> you know, so EMDR, I think, will nudge you in that direction. And maybe I'm a little extreme in the get, way I do get things. Get you out of the prison? It, it might ed, edge you a little bit out of the prison by opening up new neural pathways because really there's a blockage there. And, mm. you know, it, when when this part of the brain – and I, this is one of the most valuable things I took from that book. And so on, on the left side of your brain, you have the, uh, <clears throat> the BRCA section. The BRCA section, when when they would test these people in fMRIs, and they would feed them their traumatic event, you know, after therapy and figuring out what they would feed them their traumatic event while they're being scanned, and slowly they would start to see this part of the brain go offline. Now, this part of the brain is responsible for linear speech, linear thought. It's the part of the brain that goes offline also when you have a stroke. In contrast to that, the the Brodmann section of the brain would light up. It just illuminate, illuminate. This goes off, this goes on. The Broadman section of the brain is the part of the brain that's responsible for taking in immediate information. It takes the pictures, <clears throat> sends it back to the amygdala, and it goes through, goes through the uh, not the reptilian brain, that's that's, uh, but the uh, the middle brain. It goes through the middle brain for processing. So what that means is when when you're being fed the trauma verbally. And your brain starts to internalize this. This shuts down and you start to experience the traumatic event in real time. And there's nothing you can do about it. I didn't, I didn't really understand that. But looking back on my past, I realized why nobody could tell me anything. Even when I was in a panic, it's the worst thing you can do or say to a person who's feeling really bad about themselves, really depressed because their brain is playing tricks on them. They don't know what the fuck you're saying. And I didn't know what people were saying to me. And I don't even know how we got on this from interdependence, but it's uh, – I, I know how we got on it because I, I was Contrast. talking about trauma and how I developed at a young age disorganized attachment because of the, the dynamic with my caregivers, right? The, 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 you know, my mom was the sense of nurturing. My dad was the sense of my the, – the, the source, not the sense, the source of my trauma. Disorganized attachment that grew into distrust for everything, everybody. I became hyper vigilant in everything that I did. Developed this all or nothing thinking, and what else can that lead to? But you know, some some uh, some traumatic times because you basically had to care for yourself <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah, and then there was a point at nine year nine years old where my brain really snapped, which I would have never thought was the the, the snapping point for me. But through trauma, we got to that point, and, and that's really at, at eight, nine years old, I became a man. So my childhood was gone at that point, and then I just, yeah. you know, yeah. it, and I wasn't interdependent. I was extremely codependent, but try telling me I was codependent. I remember being in a, in a treatment center because I kept having these episodes, and I remember this, this, and this is only six years ago. I remember this therapist telling me that uh, 
she said she said code you're uh, yes severe PTSD you're also very codependent I ain't fucking codependent I don't rely on anybody for shit nah, 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 nah. all ego 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 didn't realize what it was she was saying to me but my entire life was predicated on how other people valued me even if it was fake and it, it, I, I was like well no wonder I became a fucking actor. You know what I mean? Like a I validation. Needed people to, I needed validation from, and yeah. I and I couldn't take validation on a small scale because I didn't feel worthy of the validation. And still, it's even hard to take compliments. So I didn't feel worthy of it. I had to make it on a wide scale from people who don't even know me because I can feel good, but I don't have to get too close. You know what I mean? Because I because if they compliment me to my face, I'm fucked because I don't really feel like I deserve it. None of this is conscious. That is a very interesting dynamic right there. And it's very common. I, I think, you know, because of my personality, maybe it, it was extreme. It, it, Hollywood's a fucking cesspool, man. You know, it, reality is a fucking cesspool. Well, it can be. <laughs> you know, it can be. But like, I Hollywood mean, is in reality. Like, I mean, if you come across, like, if you have deep conversations with, like, people out, if you can ever get people outside of your immediate friends and stuff. To have a deep conversation with you about this kind of stuff, you'll see that it's woven everywhere. You know, it, it's, you know, I snapped at like 11 years old and, you know, I just detached. Like there really was no more kid. The kid died. Right, right. You yeah. know, the kid died. I still played hoop and everything and I went to a new school and I didn't fit in. And, like, socially awkward, you know, it was really rare for uh, children to live with their fathers because, like, my parents had just gotten divorced and, like, I, I had to choose where to live. I chose my dad. Um, it was very rare that fathers had the kids, you know. And I uh, went to new school and talk about trauma. Like I, like, I just didn't fit in. Like playing basketball was the only thing I had in common or the only skill. I wasn't really socially – it just was hard. It was completely hard because like these clicks and these crews were already made before you got there. And you're trying to get in to this click and this crew and like – And as a kid, you can't understand and why. Like, but the thing is I was very smart. I'm like I'm not going to fucking – sell myself to fucking hang out with a bunch of punk motherfuckers. So I'll go collect baseball cards and be by myself and play hoops like down in the city and like fuck all y'all from Royal Oak and Huntington Woods in Berkeley. Like I like I just detached from that and I found like you're always going to find your own where you fit in, your own vibration. But you, it's you can't. Because fuck all them is still part of the ego, right? Yeah. When you're saying fuck all them, it's, you know, it's, well, I don't, it, cause there's, there, when you're a kid, you're not, cause I didn't <clears throat> walk away from anything spiritually. It was fuck all them. Fuck them. Yeah. They're against me. They're against me. It wasn't the that they against were me. against me. It's just like, you just didn't fit. I didn't fit. Yeah. And it was interesting cause but like it alienated I, you, right? Yeah. And, and, and then, then I ended up meeting like my like stepbrother, soon to be stepbrother about a year later, hung out with him. He had the same issue as I did, didn't really fit in, and he was a transplant from Colorado trying to go to, like, West Bloomfield High, totally didn't fit in, ended up going to Waterford Mott, 
And, uh, you know, it's it's different how social classes and all that ego shit when you're a kid, like you think it matters. And you see where the lack of interdependence comes from because you're so needy to be accepted by these peer groups that really have – they have relevance because they exist, right? But in – in truth, they don't because I didn't, I didn't fit in either for a long time until I got to my my junior year. I had my little clique of friends, but then I was like, I was like, fuck that, I'm gonna fit in. So I did shit to fit in. Ninth I forced grade, myself ninth in. grade. You know, my I was sitting in freshman orientation, and uh, you know, this kid comes by and was like, "Dude, what's your name?" And I told him, he's like. Well, me and my brother are going to go drink some beers and smoke some weed and go four-wheel, and he's got a Bronco. he got, like, a 79 Bronco. You want to go? I was like, hell yeah, I do. Speaking my know, language. <laughs> speaking my language. And he ended up being my best friend who ended up passing away when I was 21. But it was interesting because he came from a family of 13 brothers and sisters. So Was he Catholic? Yeah. He wasn't, but his family was all hundred percent Irishman, hundred percent Irishman. There you go. Not making fun uh, of it. It's just when you hear thirteen brothers and sisters, it's usually Catholic. Yeah, you know. And uh, it's funny because his mom was the first one to take me to Church of Today. Oh no shit! She was a minister there when Jack Bolin was there. Nice. And uh, it was before you know that coffee shop and the. Marianne Williamson. They, it was before. Era. It was before the expansion. It was just a s- small brick building before the yeah, expansion. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going to this church, and it was small. And I remember, like, what? What's this? Like, I I ain't never seen no church like this before. And uh, man, she was she was wild. But she hooked me up with like a lot of spiritual knowledge, which at that time I really needed because I was spiritually thirsty. But I was smoking a lot of weed and I was drinking a lot and I didn't like too many people and I was angry. But I always had some sort of faith in something. Something. Like, something. Yeah. So she would always kind of hook me up with this, these books and stuff. And like, you know, it was just uh, – he showed me something that I'll I'll take with me for I hope as many lifetimes as I can is he really allowed me to like – be me to be he allows you the space to the, grow to, to like this kid would sing cecilia down the hall in high school and not give a shit you know and and i watched him be so wild and so free that like i had to be that myself and i live that way today all of wayne dyer did a study who's also church today by the way um, but he did a study on it's I think in the book Wisdom of the Ages, where I think it's sixty of the greatest thinkers, speakers of all time, Jesus, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, um, Mother Teresa. He, he went to I, I think she was in there. But anyway, there were three common uh traits that all of them shared across the board. That was one, they were unattached to the good opinion of other people. Two, they were unattached to to power they 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 didn't they weren't driven by power flows freely flows freely and three they were unattached to outcome so that's where that freedom is the only way 
so so we can't we can't make the mean kids right? and uh, we've all been that too at certain points we can't make them be spiritual minded we can't make them be the way we would like them to be but what we can do is is center ourselves in ourselves and find ways to be free and that's through non-attachment that's that's where interdependence comes from i don't expect you to be anything but what you are and whatever you are that you give to me it's not going to crush me because i don't have any expectations so whatever the fuck you are i can deal with it i wish i knew that when i was a kid it would have prevented so much suffering. I don't think I could have comprehended that as a kid. No, I couldn't. Absolutely. No, and, and I don't know that we're supposed to. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. This think... is part of the journey, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, what are we? Where are we, we got a here? couple minutes. A couple minutes. Got anything in closing? No, not really. Uh, yeah, I, I have something for you to tell. Actually, is there a resource that people can use to find more out about interdependence? I know there's a book that we know. Yeah, well, one of the best books I've read on the subject is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by I'll Stephen. I'll put that up on Twitter for everybody too. Yeah, Stephen Covey. And there's another one that's really, really good too, and it, it delves into science. You know, my, I'm always looking at – I like – I love science. It's a spiritual practice for me. But uh, it's called The Honeymoon Effect by Bruce Lipton. Amazing, amazing book. If you're looking if, – if you're having problems in any relationship, marriage or otherwise – I highly recommend you read The Honeymoon Effect by Bruce Lipton. It's an amazing book. Do you got that book? I do. I don't know if I have it at the <clears> house, though. I usually I, – I keep buying copies and giving it out, so I, yeah. don't, I don't know if it's there. But Bruce Lipton, I'm seeing him a lot lately. He's, he's, he's amazing. Seeing a lot of his stuff. Yeah, I, I like his stuff. Molecular biologist turned spiritualist. But All right, well – just want to let everybody know that uh, you can hit us up on Facebook uh, during the show and be part of the conversation. You can also hit us up on Twitter, which was uh, HC Podcast 313 if you want to reach out to us. It's always Instagram. great hearing from other people. In the Instagram. So not just here. This is ongoing. The question – keep the questions, the comments coming, the inboxes. This is why we're doing it, to keep the, keep the conversation moving and, and maybe be a little bit of light. Change the vibration. Change the vibration. It's the human condition. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks,